Welcome in to another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It's Froggy on your Froggy Wednesdays. And uh, every week we have, you know, we, we, we get good players on. We talk about the weekend golf. We uh, are just coming off of the 3M championship. And now this week we've got the Olympics, not a full field PGA Tour event, but no, field, no full field actually for the first time in quite a few weeks. Um, and so we will work, work forward for the Olympics. And then the season's really getting down uh, towards the end. We've got Memphis. With the FedEx St. Jude coming up, we've also got the uh, Barracuda Championship will be opposite field that week, and then we'll come down to the Wyndham, and then the FedEx Cup playoffs. So this week we are joined by somebody who uh, he just played this week at the 3M, so we'll talk about the 3M. You also probably saw him at the Barbasol Championship, and you will also see him in the playoffs, and he's got a great story, and I really want to thank him for being here because getting home from the 3M was not easy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in JT Poston. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Froggy. Looking forward to it. Man, I'm not gonna lie, man. I, listen, I, you're a better guy than me. If I if I went through what you went through to get home from the 3M, I would have been like, you know what? Can we do this another day? But you didn't, so I I really appreciate your time. But um, let's let's first talk about your, your travel home. So you you, you finished the 3M on Sunday night, and then what happened? Yeah, this is kind of the part of uh, the life on tour that people don't see, I would say. But um, the travel, you can have some nightmares. And I'd gotten pretty pretty lucky lately. Uh, hadn't had too many issues, but yesterday was one for the bugs. Um, I was helping out Zach Johnson with his foundation event. It's a pro-am that he does every year uh, for some local kids and putting them through college, which is awesome. And so I helped him out there, and we were supposed to fly uh, – fly out from Cedar Rapids back here to Brunswick, St. Simons, where I live, and I'm supposed to get in about 8 o'clock, but um, had some weather in Atlanta where we were connecting and yeah. got rerouted to Huntsville, Alabama, had to refuel there, paperwork took an hour and a half, oh. then get to Atlanta about 11, 11.30, missed connection, oh. stay the night, you know the drill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of the time when you go to Atlanta – you can find a flight going somewhere, but when you're yeah. going somewhere small, there's like once you miss, once you get late in the day, you, yeah. you you miss that eight nine o'clock flight, it's over. You're staying the night there in Atlanta. Now, I'm guessing you didn't sleep in the airport where most people end up, end up you know, because they, they can't find a room. Yeah, no, I actually was fortunate. My girlfriend lives in Atlanta, and so um, I just I left the airport and and went and stayed with her and got up early this morning and went back, but. Um, nice. Yeah, I was one of the lucky ones. Some of the other guys tried to make a flight to Jacksonville, didn't make it, um, ended up, I got a picture from them at about three in the morning and they were laying on the on the floor in the airport waiting for a flight at like six or seven in the morning. Who uh, was that? Uh, Grayson Sig, Jonathan Bird, and Ben Coles. Oh. Grayson and Ben play on the Corn Ferry Tour. Right. Um, but they'll both probably be out here on tour next year. So. Right. I saw Jonathan, was he was at the 3M, correct? He was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's not a good night's sleep, man. You can't wait to get home when that happens. Yeah, you just you just so ready to be home at that point, and it's just feel like it drags on and on and on. But it's part of it. It's part yeah. of yeah. You know, and, and nobody sees that. They don't see that. You know, so you you left home to go to the 3M what last Monday? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. left home Monday. You thinking, you know what? So I'll go. I'll play. I'll do all my stuff. I'll get back home next monday after i do this thing for zach and it takes you 20 it took you two days to get home almost yeah just about it took us it took us a full day so but it's it's all right it happens yeah you're having a really good season on tour is this is this your best year statistically you've had on the pga tour um 
I would say no. I, I mean, my best year was in 2019 when I won. Um, the Wyndham. The Wyndham, yeah, in 2019. Sort of finished real strong that year. And, um, you know, you look at my stats um, on tour, and it's they're kind of all over the place. Um, my strength's always been my putting. It's always kind of kept me in there. But my ball striking's been better other, other seasons. But um, this year I've really had to work on it pretty hard and work on my swing a lot and more than I ever have. And uh, the statistics probably show that, but I have, when I've gotten in contention and gotten right there, I, I haven't kind of fallen off the leaderboard on Sunday. I've been, I've been right there. I just hadn't quite been able to put myself in that position as many times as I like. The, um, the fact that you've been with your coach a long time says a lot about you sticking with a plan. You see some guys that switch a lot or they move from this coach to that coach or they go to a coach, try somebody else and go back. Like you, you've stuck with your coach since you were a little kid, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've met him through my grandfather when I was probably, his name's John McNeely. Um, and I met him when I was probably seven or eight years old and he kind of was a mentor to me growing up. Uh, just kind of giving me little tips here and there, nothing, nothing crazy, no big long lessons or anything. But once I started taking it a little more serious, um, and playing tournaments and wanting to play in college and turn pro and kind of go through the ranks. He, he's always been right there and, and helped me with my swing. And he's, he's really old school, which I like. I'm not a, not a real mechanical uh, player. I'm, I'm more feel. And so it's just a, we're a good team and, and it works. And, you know, if it, if it works and I've gotten to where I've gotten uh, with him, I don't, I don't see why I would switch. Yeah, you've had two top tens this year. Uh, one was a runner-up finish a couple weeks at the uh, a couple weeks ago at the Barbasol, opposite field of the Open Championship, and uh, currently you're 66 in the FedEx Cup points, which would get you in as you stand currently if the season ended today to the first two playoff events. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's that runner-up. I mean, obviously in the playoff and had really had a great chance to win and didn't get it done, but. You know, it was a big it was a big boost for me to kind of put me in a pretty good spot uh, going into the playoffs. And I mean, you're you're just really trying to make sure you get into that second one because from there, you know, you've got a chance if you play well to make it to the tour championship, um, which is the end goal. So um, I'm in a good spot. Uh, hopefully, keep playing well at Wyndham in that first playoff event in New York and and get a spot in the BMW. Right now, that at the, at the three of them, I noticed you went to a Twins game. I think uh, when, I think somebody else on tour threw out the first pitch, right? Yeah, Wyndham Clark threw out the first pitch that night. Uh, it was, yeah, it looked like he tried to throw it pretty hard, and it was a little low and left. But <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. I was going to wait until we had him here. He's going to be here on. Uh, I think <laughs> next week we've got uh, Jim Furyk lined up here on the Stripe Show podcast on a Froggy Wednesday, and then we've also got Wyndham the week after, which is the week of the Wyndham Championship. Wyndham said he would come on the week of his tournament. <laughs> it's, you know, Wyndham hotels yeah. and his name. So, but yeah. I wasn't going to bring that up, but it, it, it was not the best pitch I've ever seen as far as first pitches go. Yeah. You know what? Props to him. He looked like he, he threw it as hard as he could. As sometimes guys go over there and they kind of lollipop it over, over home plate. Yeah. They he, rainbow he it up there. To, yeah. He tried to, he tried to send it in there with some heat, which, which I like, but it was a little low and left. So I don't know if that was nerves or maybe he had a couple <laughs> beers before. Who knows? But, uh, I'm gonna ask him next time I see him. Yeah, the three M seems to treat you guys well, right? I mean, so some tournaments really go out of their way to kind of entertain and make sure you guys not are just having a good time at the tournament, but see other things that the city has to offer. Yeah, I mean, they did a great job. That was the first time I had played that event, and uh, just everything across the board. I mean, accommodations, um, the dining, just the whole experience at the tournament. 
and when you register, they, I mean, the twins were at home that week. And so they had um, basically a list. You could sign up to go to the games if you wanted to. And they took good care of everybody. And it was an awesome week. I'll definitely be back. It really was a good tournament too. I mean, to see somebody like Cameron Champ, who of his last seven events, I think he had missed five or six cuts. I mean, it was not, uh, had yeah. not been a good season for him, but he once again stuck with the process. He's been with Sean Foley a long time and mm -hmm. said he never even thought of, of moving on. It was, they were seeing results off the golf course on uh, Tuesday and Wednesdays, but they weren't seeing results during tournaments. And he thought that would come and it did. Yeah. Um, a lot of people criticized him for the way he played 18 for pulling driver there. He, he said if he had it to do over again, he'd pull driver again. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I heard a lot. I saw a lot of people kind of criticizing him too, but you know, he hits it so far. He's, I mean, you're standing there and you're one swing away from putting the golf tournament away. Um, if he hits that fairway, it's over. Um, if he hits it right into the water, honestly, he's probably dropping and he's got, you know, he's got a, I don't know, what did he have, a two shot lead, three shot lead? Two shot lead. Two shot lead. If he hits, I mean, so he knows he can make bogey. If he hits it right in the water, he can hit something over the green from there, drop, hit it over the green, chip it on and two putt or whatever and, right. and get out of there. But, I didn't think it was the worst play in the world. Um, it's easy to say that when he hits it way left and it's in a bad spot. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get some criticism. But, I mean, he obviously hit, had been hitting it great up until that point, And I didn't think it was a bad bad call. Is that fairway hard to hit? I mean, it, it, and everything looks different on TV. But when you're standing there, does it look like, oh, my goodness, this is a tough fairway to hit? It's one of those that from back there, it looks a lot narrower than it actually is, I think. Um, it definitely is an intimidating tee shot. Um, but when you get up there, you kind of realize you got a little more room there. And um, for him, I mean, that wind would have been in off the right. And I know he likes to hit a fade. And so that's another reason why, you know, he can kind of hit that fade up against it a little bit and keep it pretty straight. Right. You know, another thing to take from this week was, and something also that it can take from your previous week of play is that Louie really bounced back from kind of giving up another one uh, from giving up the open championship. He finished third, which is nothing wrong with the third place finish. Right. Um, but he, but he did have the lead going into Sunday. And then I, I, I hate to even say that he coughed it up because I don't really feel like he did. I feel like Colin Morikawa just went out and, and just played a hell of a round on Sunday and, and, and took the, the championship away from him, which, you know, that happens. Yeah. Um, but then he bounced back and finished second this week and had a chance there at the end. You know, when when Champ blows that drive left, it brings a, a, a seven's possible because he was in the high stuff and he had to lay up twice. But obviously that wedge shot he hit to kick in range for uh, for par was ridiculous. Yeah. But bounce back for Louis and you you kind of did did the same thing the week before. You had ha had a chance to win a golf tournament. Looked like you had to go look. It looked like you had one hand on the trophy already. And yeah. then, you know, things went a little bit sideways, but then you come back the next week, bounce back and play. Well, is that difficult to do af after, after having a letdown and when you think you're going to win? Um, it is, it's difficult. Just, I mean, mentally you're, you're just getting in contention and having a chance to win. It just takes so much more of a toll on, on you mentally. It's such a grind and you're trying to win and you want to win so bad. And when it doesn't happen, it's hard to kind of reset and, and uh, go right back out and into a new week. But at the same time, you know that your game's in a good place. You know that you're hitting it well. Um, I know for Louie, he's obviously been playing unbelievable the last, 
you know, seven or eight events yeah. he's played in. And the U.S. Open, I think he finished second. And he finished yeah, third at, at the Open Championship. And yeah. then he's second there. So he's had a really good run. He's swinging the golf club really good. He just hasn't. Exactly. I was shocked to hear he's never won in the States. Yeah, I know. A lot of people don't really believe that, which is pretty shocking. But it's hard, it's hard to win on tour. I mean, you hear guys say it all the time. Can you talk it, about that a little bit? How hard is it to win on the PGA Tour? I mean, guys are just so good. It's such a fine line between, you know, all it takes. I mean, all it takes is having one day where you can hit it great all day, all week, but you have one day where you may not make any putts, and that can be the difference between being at the top of the leaderboard and being fifth or sixth or eighth. And, I mean, there's such a fine line because everybody hits it good. Everybody can roll it pretty good. Um, everybody's good around the greens, and you just – it's just – all has to come together in one week. You know, you saw Ricky Fowler uh, had a bad hole. The yeah. one that really sticks out to me is, uh, I think it was Kang. Yeah. He, he made a 12 on, on 18. He was 21st going into the hole. When he left, he was 68. I mean, one yeah. bad hole at a stroke play event can completely ruin your whole week. Yeah, I was one of those guys, too. I mean, I was I was not really near the top of the leaderboard, but I was seven under for the week going into, or maybe five under for the week. I don't remember, but in a decent spot um, going into 18 on Saturday and I made an eight as well. I mean, just, you hit a couple balls, you hit the wind was blowing pretty hard and hit a ball in the water and you kind of, the way the holes designed, it's hard to lay it up. It's hard to hit it uh, over that, on that green from that far back and in the wind. And so you're kind of just, you just have to step up and hit a great shot. And um, it got, got some guys that Saturday afternoon for sure. Yeah, I think I saw one of one of your shots on social. There was another guy, I think it was Hogue, had tried to hit yeah. it, had actually hit it out of the water. And you you were down in the water, I think, with with one foot in there. Yeah, I had one. I had I got lucky. Um, that was after. So I hit one in the water, dropped, hit another one that was in the hazard, but it I walked up there and it was playable. And I actually had a pretty good lie. I just didn't have any any line to hit it on. I had to kind of hit it backwards onto the green to ninety feet, but. Um, you can make a mess there in a hurry um, with that golf shot and that wind direction. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer. Helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club, Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data, and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com, R A P S O D O.com, rapsodo.com. Yeah, going back to the to the Barbasol, was the, did you know where you stood at any point? At what, or should I say, at what point did you know where you stood with how many holes left? Yeah, I knew. I mean, there's there's leaderboards out there. Um, I knew, you know, I, I was watching the leaderboards all day. I know some some guys don't really like to watch, but that that tournament, there's the scores are so low, and there's so many birdies. There's really, I mean every hole is a birdie hole. The greens are soft. The greens are good. Um, doesn't matter where they put the pins. The guys are going to have wedges and short clubs in their hand. They're going to be able to hit it close. And so 
I've had some people ask me, you know, why didn't you hit three wood off the par five or, you know, where I hit it out of bounds by about half an inch. And Oh, yeah. That, I mean, they, it, it was so close. They had to go get a string and put a white card down to see. Yeah. Now, what I mean, is I the was, rule? Is it any part of the ball is inbounds or if, if any part of the ball is is touching that line or is on that line, the ball is in play. If okay. the whole ball is out of bounds, then it's out of the whole ball has to be out of bounds for it to be. Uh, so you were a centimeter away. Literally half an inch. Yeah, I was, I mean, standing over it, looking straight down and you can, they're holding the string and, you know, I'm trying to make sure that, that they have it tight or they have it right. Because if, if it's half an inch off the post, then that could be the difference between it right. in or out. And so, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. They, they double and triple checked it and it was, it was out by half an inch. And so, um, fortunately I'd play well, I'd played well up until that point to, um, even after that mess of a hole, I still had a. I think I was tied for the lead, or was I had I a one shot lead? I think you had still a one shot lead, and yes. but then, but it kind of rattles you a little bit, and all of a sudden, you, I knew standing on that par five, if I hit it in the fairway, it was probably going to be over because mm -hmm. I it would be a pretty should be a pretty easy birdie, um, and I could kind of cruise from there. But um, you did know. the three putt at the next hole come as a? Was it a? Was it because of what had happened at the previous hole? I would no, I wouldn't say that. I, you know, my caddy Aaron Flanner did a good job walking off that par five green. He said, "You know, we got a one shot lead with three holes to go. This is exactly where you want to be. If I'd have told you this is where we'd be before the round started today, you'd have taken it." And he's like, "We just he's like, let's hit, you know, six good golf shots and get out of here." And right. um, which is exactly what we needed to do. And you know, I hit a hit a decent shot into that sixteenth green to maybe. 35 40 feet and had kind of one of those tricky uphill and then back downhill kind of putts and um i would say the only thing you know having a three shot lead or whatever four shot lead whatever it was um on the par five and then all of a sudden you have a one shot lead right. it, that kind of shocks the system a little bit and all of a sudden you're thinking about you know i wasn't really thinking about three putting or messing up or you're just kind of on, on autopilot and on cruise control. And now all of a sudden, right. You're now, you tense it, up. now you tense up, you're trying to get it in the house. And, and that was kind of the one, you know, a lot of people look back on the drive and, and that, you know, mess that I made, but I, the biggest mistake I, that I regret was that next hole in the three putt and not, not trying more to kind of settle myself down and focus on, you know, two putting there and getting out of there. And I just didn't hit a good first putt. Left. But then you get in a playoff, and then yeah. the first playoff hole, he chips it in. Yeah. So now you're standing over what a ten footer, twelve footer. Yeah, probably ten, twelve feet. And you rolled it right in the jar. I was I was absolutely shocked. I mean, that was nails to 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 been to go through what you had been through to probably like you just said you thought you had the tournament in the bag yeah. if you just hit the fairway and you don't, and then you get up there on the green. He's missed the green, and you're close. So you're thinking, hey, yeah. I might make this. He's probably not going to chip in. So I might, you know, I, I I can still win this golf tournament. And he chips yeah. it in. You rolled it in. And then it was just, it was a fight from there on out. And I, I was absolutely shocked when it went in. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great, I mean, it was a great playoff. We each had our, our chances to, um, to win. We each had our kind of chances where we had to make a putt to keep it going. And, you know, that's, that's, that's why you play. That's why we do what we do. Um, thinking back about the week that what I'm going to take away from it is not, you know, not the bad shots or the, 
that stuff just kind of the way I bounced back. I mean, hitting that bad tee ball on 15 and then being able to step right up in 18, which is a tough tee ball, uh, hit a great drive down the fairway in regulation, hit it in the fairway. Um, the next three times we played it in the playoff and, you know, those are, those are, those are times when, when the, the pressure's on and, and, you know, that's, that's what I'm, what I'm going to take away being able to step up and hit a good shot there. When you get to a golf course and you and Aaron have a game, have a game plan, do you stick with that game plan? No matter where you are on the leaderboard, does it change if you need to, if something needs to happen or if you get a far enough lead? Um, I think it depends. I think it depends on the situation. I think it can, it can depend on the course conditions. Um, you get some weather and it softens up. You might hit more club or some weeks it gets firmer. You might hit less. Um, you know, if I, if I'd have gotten to 18 T and had a two shot lead or a whatever lead, I might've hit probably something less than driver. But, um, when I got there, I was tied for the lead and was thinking, you know, I'm going to play it exactly how I've played it all week, which is hit driver and take on that T ball. And if I pull it off, then I know I've got a wedge in my hand and should give myself a look to win the golf tournament. So that was kind of the, the thought process. Right. Now, will you be watching the Olympics this week as we uh, it's it's weird that we don't have a full field. Usually, even when we have a full field, we get an opposite field event. And this week, it's all Olympics. Uh, are, yeah. are you into the Olympics? Are you watching? Yeah, I'll be watching. Um, and I'll be watching a lot of a lot of sports, not just golf. Um, but I think it'll I think it'll be cool. I mean, I've never I've never had a chance to to play for the United States um, at any point in my career. And that's definitely a, a big goal of mine. So I think it's pretty cool. And I know the guys that are there representing um, all their countries, it's something that they're looking forward to. And, and it's an honor for a lot of them. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool week. Yeah. I was going to ask you if that was one of your goals. Is that it, obviously that's a, that's a career goal, but do you set goals each year that like, Hey, this year I'd like to accomplish ABC. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think it's important because it kind of, helps you keep yourself accountable throughout the year because it's a long season and it's easy to kind of, you know, you get in a lull or you're not playing good and you kind of forget about those goals and you may not work as hard towards those goals if you're not playing well. And, um, but going ahead and writing them down and, and having very specific, sometimes for me, it's, it's season goals. Sometimes it's, um, my stats for the season. Um, you know, so like for example, one a couple of years ago, a goal of mine was playing the final group on Sunday, or like, you know, top ten in a major. Just just kind of building blocks to kind of work your way up to to getting where you want to be. Have you reached any of your goals that you set for this season? Um, yeah, this season one of them was final group on Sunday, which I accomplished it at Barbasol. That's one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, a lot of them were were kind of um, stat related with, with my, my ball striking and I've probably got a little ways to go, but starting to get, get moving in the right direction. How much does stats go into how you play the golf course? In other words, like this, this hole's more gettable than another hole or you're better off if you hit it here or there, or how much is it just like you just get up and hit it? I wouldn't, it's, it's a mix of both. Um, just course management in general. I wouldn't say it's as much stats and kind of, making sure you're going to attack certain holes. It's more just, you know, trying to be smart and, and you have T balls that you're comfortable with. You have T balls that you're not comfortable with. And, you know, those holes, you might hit a little less club, just get it in the fairway, 
some places, you know, you have a lot of trouble around it. So you're just trying to get in the fairway, but others you have, you know, you know, if you pull off a good, uh, a good tee ball, you're going to have a wedge in your hand. So it's just a mix of, of, you know, potting out, looking at the golf course, potting it out and figuring out where you're going to kind of be aggressive and where you're going to. And, and how difficult is it to plan your schedule? Because I say this because I was one of those people that had the ignorant thought of once you get your PGA tour card, you just like pick and choose and go, yeah, I want to play this one. I'll play that one. Now I'm going to take this week off. I'll play this one. Like, but it doesn't work that way. There, there, there's only certain events you get into. So how do you go about planning your schedule uh, when you start the year? Yeah. When you're full. So when you're fully exempt, um, you, that is how it works. You're pretty much in every event. How do you get fully exempt? So fully exempt is either by winning a golf tournament. So you hear people talk about you win, you get a two-year exemption. So you'll be fully exempt for those right. two years after a win or top 125 from the previous year's uh, FedEx list. Right. So basically, if you make the playoffs, you're fully exempt for the next year. And you can kind of plan your schedule out and play in any of those tournaments that you want that are on the regular schedule. That's not That's not including the majors or the WGCs. Oh, it doesn't? Does not, no. Oh, so fully exempt does not include the majors? Does not, no. The majors okay. and the WGCs are all based on um, world ranking and – there's a couple other kind of little nuances that, that get you in. You know, you might finish well in certain tournaments that get you in. Um, PGA, I think if you win, if you win, you're automatically in the PGA. So, um, and the Masters, obviously. So, so next yeah. year, for example, so you you won in 2019. Yeah. So, so did you get full exempt status for 20 and 21? Correct. Yeah. And then this year, obviously, you'll be in the top 125. So, are you yeah. fully exempt next season already, as long as you make the playoffs? Correct. Yeah. So as long as I make the playoffs this year, I'll be fully exempt next year. And I've, I've already locked that up. So, and you can play whatever you can play any PGA tour event you want at that point, any, any one you want. That's a regular PGA tour event. Yeah. But then the, so is, does that include the masters? No, does not include the majors does not include the WGCs. Okay. Those but it includes all, the players. It includes the players. Yeah. It does include the players. So how do, so, so how do you go about getting into the masters or getting into the PGA, the open? It's all it's all based on world rank. If you're top fifty in the world, you're in. If you're if you're top fifty in the world, you play wherever the hell you want. You play wherever you want. Okay. Yeah. If you're, I'm kind of the middleman where I've I've been fully exempt for a little while and I've I've been close to that top fifty number, but um, right now I'm outside looking in, so I'm not gonna be. Uh, as of right now, I wouldn't be in um, the Masters or. U.S. Open or British Open, WGCs, but I'm close enough to where a few good weeks and I move up the ranks, then I can play my way in. And is that a goal of yours to be it to, to eventually play all four majors in one season? Yeah, absolutely. I've still never gotten. I've played in seven majors now and um, three U.S. Opens, three PGAs, and a Masters, and I've still never played in a British Open. So I definitely want to check that one next year. Definitely want to check that one off because it's right. in St. Andrews. So. Um, yeah, that's definitely high on the list. That's that's why you play playing the How, big, big events. Everybody says it's like a postcard. I'm guessing when you when you get to Augusta, your mouth just dropped on the floor for the first couple of days. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty unreal. I mean, that's it's anybody and that plays the game. That's that's a dream come true. And even for us, even the guys that play it every year, they talk about how it's you know it never gets old driving down Magnolia Lane and yeah. and being there. Wow. Are there certain, you know, you get your pairings on, do you get your pairings on Wednesdays? Uh, t uh, Tuesday afternoon, they usually 
send them out. Are there and, and not that there's not that there's anybody that you don't like, but are there certain guys that you notice you play better with? And are there certain guys where you're like, I just don't play good with this guy for whatever reason it is? Um, I don't you know, the I'm pretty sure everybody's answer would be nobody likes playing with people that are slow. And right. um there are definitely guys that you know are slow. Um, and when you let's see call them, them out by name, you go first. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think I'll, I'll refrain from that one. But, exactly. I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody, nobody likes playing with somebody that's slow. And, and, um, those guys, you know, you know who those guys are. And, uh, anytime you get paired up with them, you're, you're not too thrilled about it, but right. it is what it is. So, is there anything you can say? Like, do you want to say something, or do, is there any way you can be like, hey, Let's try and move it along today. Like, is there any way you can do that? I mean, you could certainly, but it just, I feel like it would just bring up, it w- I don't know how it would really help the situation. Right. They're the only person they're going to, that they're going to listen to are rules officials. So you kind of are just waiting to see if you get put on the clock or get behind um, the group in front of you. And um, if that's the case, then, then they might speed up a little bit. But as far as slow play goes, I mean, you could say something, but I usually kind of just keep to myself and try right. and focus on what I'm doing. Does it affect your play at all? It has, I would say. Yeah, probably a little bit. It's just, it's hard to get in a rhythm. Correct. Sometimes. Um, on a much different level, I see it like when I go to my golf course and play where I play at, where when there's not a lot of people and it's not crowded, I can get around in, you know, three hours. Right. But when there is a lot of people and you're waiting on every tee box and you're waiting in the fairway, you're usually not waiting on the green. But then it, it's difficult where maybe your last driver swing you took could have been 30, 30, 35 minutes ago. Like that's a, it's a big difference. And for you guys, it's even more. Yeah. I mean, it's for us, it's you're trying to get in that rhythm where, you know, your ball striking and you're giving yourself a lot of good looks and, and kind of getting in a groove. And if, you're playing with somebody that's slow and you know, you feel like you're constantly waiting, waiting on them to figure out a number, waiting on them to, you know, hit their shot, taking forever on the greens, whatever it is. It just feels like it's, it's, it's dragging on and it's harder to get in that, in that sort of rhythm. Right. Do you ever see guys? And, and once again, I'm not asking you to call anybody out. Do you ever see people because I've, I've read all the magazines and, and I've seen that there was used to be a guy on Twitter. I think it was secret tour pro. I have no idea who it was. He said that there are quite a few guys who are cavalier with the rules. And sometimes they don't exactly place the ball back where it was marked and things like that. Do you as a professional, have you ever seen somebody do something that you're like, mm, that's a little questionable? No, I haven't actually. You haven't. I think, I think for the most, I think from what I've seen in my experience, five years out there, there hadn't been there's been hardly any um issues with rules and and guys doing stuff like that um most of the time if there's some sort of drop or something going on guys are almost it's almost the other way around guys are more worried about getting the getting a ruling wrong or getting a drop wrong to where they'd be dq'd or penalized for it that they're calling a rules official almost every time just to to kind of double check and be sure yeah, I mean, like you when when you called a rule, rules official over at the Barbasol, you wanted to make sure yeah. that you were going to get it right and that you were doing the right thing because once you once you play that ball again, it's now a larger penalty if you've gotten it wrong. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Once once you do something like that, then it's an issue. And and you know, it was a 
you know, for me being in the final group and leading the golf tournament, there was a rules official right there. There were TV cameras. I mean, there was, there was no, uh, there was probably not going to be any mistakes made uh, from a rule standpoint. It was just, it was really close. And I just wanted to make sure that we knew we had it right because where it was, it was definitely playable. If it was inbounds, I right. would have been able to hit a wedge or a nine iron out in the fairway and have 130 yards into the green and maybe even still make birdie, but definitely would have been able to make a par and get out of there. So, right. um, yeah, I was just kind of one of those deals trying to make sure it was right. Right. I mean, that makes sense. You definitely want to make sure because that everything was, was on the line at that point. Yeah. It wasn't a case of you were, you know, T27 and just, you know, trying to get around the golf course. You were actually, and there was nobody behind you to hold up either. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is a big deal. Are you, are, are you somebody who, 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 when you are in the middle of your round, I, I believe you said earlier, you do watch the scoreboard, you know, where you stand at all times. Yeah, I like I like to I like to watch the scoreboards. I mean, even when I'm in, especially when I'm in contention. Um, my experience so far is when I've been in when I've been in contention, um, they've been at golf courses where the scores are low, and you know if it's at a golf course where it's it's harder to make birdies, I could see where it might be beneficial to just kind of not worry about it, go play as well as you can, and see what happens. But right. when guys can reel off five, four, five birdies and five six holes you, you know i kind of feel like you want to know where you stand and right. so i was watching it james Hahn was making a run a little bit of a run in front of me um so i was kind of kind of watching and see, seeing what he was doing uh seamus ended up playing well finishing well and posting a number and yeah i mean all that all that stuff you're you're paying attention to throughout the yeah. day you've been out here for five years now doing you know your thing and you've been on tour and learned a lot what would you say was the biggest misconception that you had of the tour versus before being on it to now being a five-year vet? Um, I would say just how hard, I mean, how hard it is. It's, you know, it's the best players in the world. You know, it's going to be competitive, but I don't think you realize how fine that line is until you get out here and, and realize how every week, every round can be the difference at the end of the year between finishing in that top 125 and keeping your tour card and being one of the few guys that just missed and and now you're you're without a job. So right, um, I think that was the biggest thing was just how you know every day is so important to go out there and, and, you know, try and play as well as you can, because you never know, even when you're in 55th place going into Sunday, and if you shoot six under, you might move up to 45th. The difference in points there can be at the end of the season can be the difference between keeping your card and, and missing it or, you know, um, making tour championship and not, I mean, that was probably the hardest lesson I've had to learn was my best year on tour. The year that I won, I, got into the BMW and came down to 18th, the last hole on Sunday. Um, need, and I, if I made par, I would have uh, gotten a tour championship and made bogey and missed by one shot and one spot. And so it's kind of one of those, it was, a, it was one of those deals where, you know, it's easy to look at that hole and, right. and think, you know, man, if I just made par, but you also can look back at your whole season and be like, man, if I, you know, one putt here or there, two putts here or there. Right, because I'm sure there are times you're just like, I'm not playing well. I just want to get out of here and get home. 
Yeah, there are definitely days when you, you, you know, you're at, you're the first guy off on Sunday or, you know, one of his first few groups and you're at the bottom of the board. And unless you play some miraculous round, you're not going to make up much ground, but it's, it's important to kind of go out there and just see, see what you can do. Cause you never know what's, what's going to add up to at the end of the season. Yeah. You've come a long way from those days at Western Carolina though. I mean, it's, <laughs> are you, are you the best player to come out of Western Carolina? Yes. Yeah. I would say, I would say so. Yeah. Now you had other offers though, right? Uh, I did. I was a, I was a big Tar Heel fan um, growing up and really, yeah, we're going to get into that next actually. <laughs> yeah. Really wanted to get, really wanted to go to Chapel Hill and went on a recruiting visit. Um, and the coach at the time pretty much told me I was, I was not good enough to be on his team. Um, wow. And so that was, that was kind of tough to hear as a, as a junior in high school, but you know, I had offers from uh, Western Carolina and East Carolina um, if I'd have gone to East Carolina, I would have been teammates with Harold Varner for a year, which would have been fun. We oh, nice. In Greenville, yeah. Yeah, but um, the coach at the time kind of wanted to change a lot of my – wanted to work – make some changes with my swing, changes with my putting, and wanting, wanting to redshirt me right away. And it was just – it wasn't, wasn't really a good selling point for me. You know, right. Hearing that from a coach, I, my mindset was – if I'm good enough to be on your team and to compete and, and beat some of the guys on your team, why would I, why would I make those changes? Why would right. I stick to what I've got and just try and, you know, improve those sections of, of my game just a little right. bit. Um, so I, I ended up at Western Carolina. It was a great fit. Met, met some awesome people, had a great coach there. Um, and it all worked out great. Now you said you were a Tar Heels fan and I, I was born in North Carolina as well. So I, I grew up a uh, Tar Heels fan, Dean Smith and J.R. Yeah. Reed and all those guys. I love the Tar Heels. Yeah. Um, are you one of those guys that check, like, let's say you're playing and Carolina and Duke are playing, all right? So you're on the golf course, Carolina and Duke are playing. Are you having Aaron check the score at all during your round? Yeah, it's definitely happened before. I mean, luckily, those games are usually night games. Right. Um, so usually we can we can go somewhere and watch it. But if we're on if we're on the – we're on the golf course and they're playing we're we're checking scores one way or the other whether we're trying to look you know on his phone or um asking somebody in the crowd um what the score is i mean we're we're definitely checked in the whole time i love that i love that i'm a i'm like i said i'm, I'm still a tar heel fan i'm not yeah. as big of a tar heel fan as i was when i was a kid but uh, I loved I loved the Tar Heels, which therefore in return I did not like uh, NC State, yeah. <laughs> and I I I don't care who was playing. I didn't want Duke to win. It did and not matter. It was anybody but Duke. Anybody but Duke. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and I still kind of feel that way now, even though I'm not a huge fan. But it, it, it's good to see. Uh, I'm a huge football fan as well. It's good to see Carolina football playing well with Matt Brown. Yeah, he's done a great job since he got there recruiting. Um, I think they're going to be really good. Um, I'm excited to watch them this year for sure. Yeah, I think they should be good. I'm um, hoping that my Gators are good again this year. Kyle Trask yeah. is on my other. Now, Kyle Trask has left the Gators. He's on my other, my favorite professional team. I'm a Buccaneers fan. Okay. And so we had a huge year. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good, good year for Tampa sports in general. I still, I, there's still a part of me that doesn't believe two things. I don't believe Tom Brady's really my quarterback, and I don't believe that we won the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I was at the Super Bowl with my son, and I watched it in person, and I still don't believe it happened. Wow, that's awesome. What an experience. It, it was, it, it truly was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was, and, and being able to experience it with my son, my son's 18. And so the last time the Bucs won the Super Bowl was 02. 
So he wasn't even alive yet. Yeah. Um, so for him to be able to see it in person and to just watch the, just the, he, he had not ever had a sports team win. Yeah. And so to, to watch it through somebody else's eyes and see the emotion was just the most unbelievable thing. And to be there and witness it in person and, and everything that we went through in 2020 um, was really, really huge. And actually I, I had a brain aneurysm October 12th of last year. Wow. And so uh, it was the week, it was the Monday after do you remember when Tom Brady forgot what down it was? Yeah. Remember he thought it was he thought it was third down, it was fourth yeah, down was playing fourth, the Bears yeah. on that Thursday night? Yeah. Yeah, I had a brain aneurysm that next Monday. Wow. Um and so after going through all that and being able to be at the Super Bowl was really truly a magical experience. And to watch your team win, there's just nothing like it. And I, and, and I know you're a Panthers fan, so we're we're in the same division. Yeah, we got a tough division. Those Panthers, it's those teams are good right now. Those those Bucks are hard to beat. Yeah, I don't think I don't think New Orleans is going to be as good this year as, as they have been. No, I think I think you're probably right, and and the Falcons have been struggling a little bit too. So who knows? But um, I hope are you excited for football season? Around. I am. I love football season. It's awesome. Um, as even with us, you know, playing, it's just nice to have something to a game to look forward to and watch on the road. Um, a lot of guys will get together and go grab some beers and watch the games. Yeah, uh, it's just a it's just a fun time of year. I mean, I love it. It is. I love college football too. I love the atmosphere. I love going to a college football game. There's just nothing like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a Georgia fan by association, uh, living down here. And I can forgive Dallas. you for that. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's, it's I am a Georgia fan by association. I, a lot of my friends are went to school there. Um, There's some guys in your neighborhood that are big Georgia fans. I think they yeah. went there actually. Yeah, Harris English, Hudson Swafford, Keith Mitchell. Um, my girlfriend went there, so I'm, I'm a dog fan by association. So but, yeah, I, get that. I love it. I love it. Athens is a, is a fun town. It is JT. I appreciate your time. What's your schedule look like moving forward? When, when, when can we watch you again? Uh, I've got two weeks off. So spending some time here at home, taking a break and, and practicing some, and I'll play again at the Wyndham, um, in Greensboro. And then I'll play the playoff events and see how far we can go. I mean, no, you said you've got two weeks off. So you, you got home today. Yep. And then when, when will you touch a club again, preparing for the Wyndham? Um, well, I've got some, I've got some college teammates uh, coming in town this weekend for a big uh, golf trip. So we're going to, we're going to probably have some fun on the golf. Course. I'm sure you'll get in their wallet a little bit too, yeah. right? Well, they're, they're pretty good sticks and I'm sure there'll be some strokes involved. So I'm gonna have to bring my A game, but <laughs> it'll just be, a, it'll be fun. We'll probably have a few beers and, you know, relax. Just, it'll, it's, it's nice to play some, some laid back fun golf every once in a while. And so I'm looking forward to it. And, um, after this weekend, I'll, I'll kind of crank down a little bit on the, on the practice and the, and the prep for Wyndham and, and the playoffs. Good deal. Well, good luck at the Wyndham. Uh, good luck in the PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs. And good luck getting in uh, in your buddy's wallet when, when they come to visit. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. I know you got to give them strokes. I think you should just say, you know what? I, I'm just not playing that well today. I'm not going to give you any strokes. Let's just go straight uh, up. Yeah, I don't think they're going to buy that one. I You're not doing that. No matter one. what I told them, they're not going to buy that one. So, <laughs> and we'll see when you when you're here in town at the uh, at the players next year for sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it very much. Once again, I'm glad you finally made it home. I'm sure you're due a good night's sleep in your own bed for the first time in, what, 10 days almost. Yes, looking forward to that for sure. So thank you so much, JT. Have a good one, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate you coming on the Stripe Show podcast.
Yep, have a good one. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.